fellers. Hey. What's up? Not much. Just here to talk with you about Black Panther. You guys in the mood for a little bit of that? Absolutely. Let's do it. Very ready. (laughs) If anyone is listening to this and they don't know us by our voices, I'll let you know. I'm John. I'm Steve. I am Ron. And this is episode 208 of the Movie Schmovie podcast. Movie Schmovie! We were actually able to see an advanced screening of Black Panther this week, so so we're here with a day and date episode. So this is always fun. We'll talk about general feelings and then we'll maybe save some space at the end to talk about some things that might be spoilers, and uh, right. we'll send you on your way. But I have a gut feeling that a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are also going to see this movie this weekend. What do you guys think? I think so. If that represents the the number of people that listen to us, if that was equal to or greater than the number of people seeing Black Panther this weekend, uh, we would all quit our day jobs, right? <laughs> yes. I mean, is that <laughs> we would. We had We're movie, movie t-shirts. Okay. Yeah, we'd have shirts. We'd probably sponsored Black Panther in some way. <laughs> it would have been. It would have been great. It would have been great. Yeah, it would have been. Well, I don't have a shirt, and I don't know if you have a shirt, Steve. But Ronald has the shirt. Uh, that was one of my favorite aspects of the screening the other night. Was that uh, Ronald and his girlfriend Aaron had matching Black Panther sweatshirts, and oh, yeah, I, I don't yeah. know is like. How does the idea of wearing the matching clothes get started? But I, I think I've seen you guys do something similar before, and I find it very endearing. And it makes me feel like my, my wife and I, we really don't have it together when we go out. <laughs> you know, we, don't, we don't coordinate at all. Uh, man, it was it's pretty exciting. And she picked out the T-shirt. It's like a mashup of the Punisher logo and Black Panther. And she picked it out. She thought it was cool. I was like, yes. It was such a great-looking sweat. I think she's figured out my taste at this point. Right. So... Right. A little bit nerdy, a little bit cool. Right, right, right. <laughs> Not too much of either one. It looked really good on you, Ronald, but it looked a lot better on her. I'm just going to put that out there. Oh, man. I get it. I get it. I get it. Uh, you'd probably agree with me, right? I mean, you probably... Yeah. If you know what's mm-hmm. good for you, you should agree with yeah, me. Yeah, absolutely. She looked incredible. She looked like a goddess. She looked amazing. <laughs> Well, I guess I bring that up because I feel like this is a movie where I have seen some indication all over Twitter. A lot of the people I follow have been talking about, you know, the, like treating treating the premiere or treating the screening of this movie as an event, oh, treating yeah. it as something that, that is like a cause for celebration. Um, we're associating that sort of thing in the past, or we have always associated with that sort of thing in the past with like, you know, someone who wants to dress up as Boba Fett like Star at the Wars, Star Wars yeah. screening or something, or, or Harry Potter. There's always a certain amount of cosplay that goes into it. But I think with Black Panther, for perhaps obvious reasons, it was different, but I think it's still worth Worth talking about what it is about this movie that feels so momentous, even if it were not a movie that was quote unquote worth the hype. But I, I I'm, I'm going to spoil my own feelings and say that I think that it lives up to the hype. But um, what do you guys think about that? The sort of moment this movie is arriving, the moment in the culture, and the moment for the audience, and the moment for maybe an audience that has been underserved by uh, big budget superhero films up to this point. I just remember the announcement through Kevin Feige years ago that Black Panther was going to be a thing. And I don't think, just in terms of, I guess, the the last two phases, just how much it, it was being ramped up for what, for what we're seeing in Infinity Wars in May, but something changed between those, those two phases. And you realize that you were getting closer to that 2018 date that you saw two years ago that mapped out all of the stuff for this phase. So, um, I mean, I, without being too crazy and emotional about it, um, I have always felt underrepresented in movies, particularly just for, for simpler things, like not just that somebody's not a, a superhero or the lead in something. It was just that African-Americans weren't, acting like anybody that I'd ever met in my life. You know what I mean? And right. um, to get to a point where that's, so that's, that's a barrier within itself. Cause that's a lot of what's happening in black Panther is, is talked about, but we got to talk about the basics, like just black people on screen that have decent dialogue that isn't broken, incoherent under the spell of drugs. All of that stuff right. has always been a thing that I've seen. So getting past <clears throat> that, to just see a, two people speaking on the screen that are coherent, that are intelligent, 
that love each other is something I don't see very often. And then the fact that it's a superhero movie, come on. I mean, like, uh, Blade was, like, the last one I saw, and I loved Blade. I never take anything away from it. But it, but it was his character was never fleshed out the way that this was allowed to be done. So it, it means a lot. It means a whole lot. It means a lot to me as a little kid. It means a lot for... I kind of wish my grandmother was alive to see this. You know what I mean? She, she saw sure. Obama get for elected. Sure. I wish she would have been able to at least see the commercial. You know? Yeah. So... Yeah, that's that's my feelings. I know it's a little jumbled and kind of thrown together, but it's it's one of these movies that kind of throws my emotions out of whack. You know what I mean? Like it's right. it's overwhelming and it's it feels like we're leaning towards something kind of promising, and and that it feels like a barrier is being broken. It feels like it almost it, you know the genre has been so segregated. It almost feels like integration in a way. You know what I mean? I know that sounds nuts, but there's something about movies with black people being perceived as black movies that aren't accessible and this being a black movie that feels accessible. Like every other story I've ever seen about black people, it's accessible to anybody. I'm glad that this is a thing that's starting to become a thing. So that's that's all. Yeah, no, I think I think everything you said is a hundred I mean for me, looking from the outside, growing up, I mean, I speak for, I'm sure John would agree with me, speaking as a white male in this society, like, coming from a place of privilege, you know, where, like you just said, Ronald, like, 95, if not more, I don't know what the number is, like, percent of stories being told are, uh, you know, people or persons that look like me, you know, like, right. that's a place of privilege, and, and right. I've benefited from that, but, I mean, I can watch a movie and appreciate just like you said like every black film that you've ever seen that's labeled as a black film it literally is a story that really anybody should be able to relate to just like you have found um in many ways you you, you have found a place to relate to movies that aren't based around people of color you know or or a, uh-huh. a, a story all about women how all we right. can still watch a film like that and find relation to it so i mean growing up the way i have and seeing films the way i've been able to see them um i i think it's no uh, exaggeration to say like this kind of movie and the stage that it's on is like it, it really is a cultural moment it's like a historical moment and um you, you you said something that is like literally the best way to put it is is that my impression of watching films that is a predominantly black cast or a film mm-hmm. that's been directed or written or features of a, a, a lead black actor there's always right. a conversation about like it being a black film and it's, right. it's about you know something that only black people can relate to and that's that's been really weird because I've watched plenty of those films myself, and I enjoy a lot of them. And right, I don't right. understand that the reason that it's labeled like that, like you just said. So you know, to see a movie like this earlier this year, a film like Girls Trip come out that's a, a you know an all black female cast and right. uh, all women, and be so fucking funny and like literally the funniest movie of the year, and being as successful as it is, is a, is a way to prove that those films are accessible by everyone. And then right, a movie right. like this to come out this year, a, you know, a Marvel Studios film on the largest stage that movies come out anymore, uh, uh, not just here in the States, but just worldwide. It is, it is the most important kind of platform, you know, to provide a film like this for right. everybody and for especially people of color. And, you know, when you were saying, like, you know, if it's like one black actor doing this or one black actor doing that... I mean, this is a cast that's filled up of, like, some of the most beautiful people I've ever seen and, like, some of the best actors out there working right now. Right. And they are they are on full display for everybody to enjoy and everybody to enjoy, but especially for you to enjoy because right. you've never had that kind of opportunity before. So, I mean, it is, it is amazing. Uh, it was a great experience to be able to watch it with you guys and know how much you appreciate it and what it means to you and to me and to people that appreciate that kind of representation. Um, But it's no exaggeration to say that this movie is going to be a monster film. It's tracking above any other superhero movie ever. Like not just recent Marvel movies, like ever. Like it's, it's pre-sold more than any superhero film ever, only behind the most three recent Star Wars films. So that just shows you like what anticipation there is for this film. And like John said earlier, like it's it's not you know it 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 doesn't it doesn't hurt it and it, it's crazy good for it that it's actually a really good film, and um, 
I don't know. It's just like it's it's one of those things in your lifetime when you see a movie and you feel like just how special this movie is going to go down in history. Like when we're when we're older, and uh, you know maybe you're talking to your kids and you're talking about this kind of film coming out. Like I don't mean to sound exaggeratory or, or whatever that proper word is like to exaggerate this, but like this is a really 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 important movie and it's especially special to me because. People that knock the superhero genre and things like that, that criticize it and, you know, feel like it's getting tired. Like, this is the platform that provided this kind of representation. And, and it's like yeah, the yeah. biggest scale that you could ever imagine uh, when it comes to movies. So, God, the anticipation's been insane, you know, um, for so many different reasons. And um, just being able to see how literally everybody is excited to see this film is inexperience and i mean yeah. you know like looking at movie theaters today like how many are sold out like we're recording this the night before it opens or the night of that they have the preview shows like pretty much everything is sold out like the senator theater here in town never sells out hardly ever anymore and like their show tonight is sold out wow. and i mean that's a huge house and it's sold out it's like seven o'clock or eight o'clock show or whatever it is um it's just amazing like I think it's an amazing experience to be able to see this film um, and to see the representation on the screen. And um, man, it really helps that it's that they have an amazing character on their hands. And yeah. uh, it's just it was it's amazing. Like I, I don't know, it, it's just everything Ronald said is 100 percent true. And I'm so happy that you know that representation is there that you can finally you see yourself. You can you know like you said you can see yourself in this character because he, he looks like you and you don't really see that. Like Blade was your only other option. That's fucking ridiculous. Right. And right, right. it's and that and hopefully hopefully that's a thing of the past because hopefully this opens the door for many other kinds of representation on film and especially you know if this is the kind of genre that lets people do it because you know they put so many movies out and they have such tentpole films and huge casts like. Do it. Use it. Make it. Make it. Make it happen. That's all I have to say. I think one of the things that really stood out to me was when you mentioned Ronald. The wait when they announced Black Panther, when they said they were doing it, we waited, and then we heard he was going to be in Civil War, and that was almost two years ago now. That was great. He kind of stole that movie, and everyone came out of that movie saying, "What I really want to see now, I'm excited about all this other Marvel stuff, but what I really want to see now is the Black Panther movie." Right. That's one thing I will say for this Marvel model, as much as it can sometimes seem like an assembly line, and we've talked about how we wonder if we'll ever just be overwhelmed by product, but they do really seem to give each movie its development phase, its sort of ramp up, and then a period where it's the special jewel, you know, where it's the yeah. thing that's getting pushed. And for whatever the wait may have been, however long it may have seemed like they were dragging their feet getting this movie made... They started late, but once they started doing it, you can really see all of that development on the screen. This is not a movie that felt rushed. This is not a movie that felt like it was thrown out there to meet a demand. We're in this phase where they are now, at least they had Taika Waititi make a Taika Waititi movie, you know? They had Ryan Coogler make a Ryan Coogler movie. I don't think that uh, Marvel has has shed the criticism that they have a house style. But I think this is proof that they've gotten to this point where there are all these other directions that they see the movies can go in. And it's economically viable for them to have a Black Panther universe that is almost like a universe within the Marvel universe, a whole new setup. So you can see it. Yeah, you, you were mentioning, Steve, the box office. You can see the dollar signs. You can see the excitement. I've got friends uh, dressing up in matching sweatshirts. <laughs> you know, this is a movie that's tapping into something. I'm, I'm excited about it. I can't wait for people to see it. I'm going to see it again with my wife and son. Like it, it did kind of start slow and it took a little time to develop the characters in the world. But everything that felt a little slow about the beginning of the film, by the time it was over, all of that stuff had deeper meaning and it became apparent why they needed to spend that time setting things up. Right. There's so many major plot beats that you could predict from the trailer or just from what you know about story. But what makes it satisfying is the attention to detail and the care that was taken bringing this world to the screen as though they are saying whether Ryan Coogler wants to make 10 of these films or something. But they're kind of saying this is a world that can be expanded on and can be delved into. Um, so, yeah, it really did feel like something big in so many different ways, culturally and and just in terms of the fact that it's this overdue bit of representation and how well it handles that, that it doesn't just represent, it actually has, it kind of flips the script on representation, you know? It, it, it um, 
I mean, there's just a lot of faces of color in this film, and and it doesn't feel like it's fueled. Now, of course, it's still being made for for Disney, but it doesn't feel like it's fueled by the same sort of uh, Anglo-centric concerns that normally fuel sci-fi fantasy storytelling. And I think that's, uh, I don't know, just very exciting. And I think that what we can look at is that Ryan Coogler assembled a team from the top down, people who probably were really trying to make this movie count. Um, they were kind of showing you something you hadn't seen before. And that's that's what this movie was for me. Yeah, I I, I feel the same way. I think the, the palette of the whole movie was pretty incredible. So, I mean... Oh, my, my computer's going nuts. I apologize. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm, I was a big fan of visually. It was it was like a feast of the eyes. Like like Steve was saying, everybody in the movie is beautiful. So that's and that in the, in the African environment with all the colors, all the garb, all that stuff was nuts to look at. And uh, I know that. The designer is actually a Howard, no, a Hamden, Hamden, Virginia college uh, graduate who made that stuff. So that's pretty interesting. So visually, yes, it was beautiful. It was like a painting. So I don't, I don't know. Let's maybe talk about some of the things that that really did make the movie work. Uh, I, I, you mentioned the cast, and we mm. talked about how beautiful they are. But the 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 talent in terms of what people brought to their performances. It's interesting how uh, Chadwick Boseman stole Civil War, and then I feel like three or four different people stole Black Panther from him. And I don't mean that as a knock on him. Well, He's yeah, yeah, got yeah, this extremely yeah. strong central performance, but there's a few very, very charismatic uh, characters kind of circling him. I don't know if anybody wants to point out uh, uh, a favorite. I, I would just kind of first I'll throw out there that um, Winston Duke's uh, yes. character of M'Baku. First movie ever. Yeah, Winston Duke... Uh... Lapita, of course, is one that jumps out of me. Obviously, Michael B. Jordan, man. Michael B. Damned Jordan. <laughs> uh, the, he's so good. <laughs> he okay. He is the best. He's the best Marvel villain that's happened in this world so far. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I I think. Okay. But that honestly, that's not a hard thing to do. But I think we feel a lot more invested in who this guy is. This is the first Marvel movie that I've seen concentrate on the villain enough that you understand their motives for doing anything. He's It's not like at the end he's just like, and so I want to crush the world. And you have no idea why besides he just is angry and doesn't understand why people live the way that they live. In another movie, that character wouldn't have even been a villain. Right, right, right. right I mean, right. it's it's great for Michael B. Jordan because he can handle that that level of subtlety in the character. But I do think when I was saying before that this is a very character-driven movie, that's one of the ways that that manifested for me was that it wasn't really driven as much by good versus evil as it was by just an ideology versus another ideology. And and you could really make a case for either point of view. Maybe some of the, the means... Uh, um, um, to the end are what you would debate, but the actual point of view of of Michael B. Jordan's character was not was not the typical megalomaniacal villain who wants to take over the world. Right, you know? <laughs> right, right. It was yeah. it was based in some real understandable truths about it, which is super interesting. I could actually hear people when he when he said who he was going to do, people were like, oh, that's it, like literally, <laughs> like, yeah, that was strange. Right, I mean. <laughs> you because you because like you, you you see his motivation so clearly and like like john was saying like maybe in another movie or even in this movie really like you you, you hear the motivation and you say like that's actually like the moment the moment that you start to actually understand and like kind of sort of almost like sort of side with him a little bit any or any kind of character like this kind of you know portrayal like you know something's working you know you know that, that the fact that you're sympathizing with what he's gone through and like how that's really informed his outlook on the world and how he thinks it's appropriate, you know, to go about doing what he wants to accomplish. Like what he wants, you know, for uh, fairness and for quality. Like it's, you know, it's on the most, you know, at the bottom of it, the common denominator is what most people would probably want is some sort of fairness or like equality. It's just to a, it's just turned up to a, a level that's a bit more, 
you know, nefarious and a little more, you know, he's killing people, you know, like his means are really what are questioned. But, um, yeah, the moment, you know, the moment that you start to sympathize for him and start feeling for him, even after watching what he's doing to characters on the screen, you're like, okay, so this is absolutely working. And like, this is how villains should be approached in a world like where his intent is literally not to blow up the entire (laughs) galaxy. It's, it's really to address something that's directly affected him and his, and people that look like him and that are like him and, and that he's seen as happening throughout his whole life. And I mean, like that's, you know, on a, on a, on a, on a lowest possible level, like that's legitimate and that's real. And that is a, you know, it's a fact. I mean, that shit's real. And you know, that's what his motivation is. So yeah, he was incredible in it, and I mean, like his portrayal that that character is great. I I, I want to say, um, literally everybody else that was mentioned as I agree, everybody's been great, but I think my kind of standout, almost stealing the movie in some ways, with Letitia yes. Wright as yeah. Shuri, his sister. Like like legit, like legit, I'm crushing on her hard, man. Like she is adorable, no, super charming, yeah, super like confident. The fact that she's a genius and she has tech. That, you know, would rival Tony Stark's tech and in some ways would, I mean, I can't wait to see how all this stuff figures into, you know, Infinity Wars and, and her role in that. But I mean, her sense of humor and like her and her and T'Challa's like relationship and their shorthand and just like how playful she is. But yet she's so quick to think on the run. I mean, God, she was so good in the movie and she's hilarious. And um, a lot of their scenes together, like with that brother, sister, you know, little poking at each other like that stuff works worked so well in the movie and uh among a a whole cast of amazing women in the film on different in different ways they they steal the movie but i mean like her for me i thought she was just incredible you got to give props to that because it's a character that kind of just walks up and you by the end of that little first moment that first interaction with t'challa you totally get their relationship, you know, and the fact that she turns out to sort of be his his cue yeah. in terms of uh, the James Bond comparison, that she's the one who's got the gadgets and she's the one who's sort of the, the Tony Stark, the inventor in the lab. Right, um, right, right. Yeah, th- that was so fun to see. I, I, you know, we're talking about all these great characters that were new to us. I think another character that really stood out to me because of uh, just how... I mean, Andy Serkis is an incredible actor. He uh, is. I thought the energy and the, and and the qualities he brought to Claw in this, not you know, uh, again, we've seen this character before, and it, this is a slightly different incarnation of the character. He feels a little bit more wild, but he, he's just amazing. And and I think that obviously he's got a physicality to his performances that is very intentional and very studied because he does uh, the the motion capture work, and you know that his. He's. Yeah, I almost look at him and wonder: Has he just gotten to the point where he can't help but move like a like an ape? Um, <laughs> but uh, he was hilarious, and he was so like sleazy and just the right sort of. I mean, if you look at this film as a kind of Bond film, where you have these kind of low life criminals and and uh, and you know you know bad guys that have to kind of turn on each other and all this stuff, he was a great guy to have in that in that position. The sort of thug style bad guy he's got he's got a pretty cool power he has one of the craziest laughs i think i've ever heard on screen it's like this deep cackle with a <laughs> lot of spit and it works so well yes he was incredible in that mo- because i think i think people I, so i've been reading like people were saying that they thought he was a little over the top but you kind of be you kind of have to be crazy to do some of the things that he was doing in this world so i kind of liked that i kind of liked that he was like almost like unhinged even even when he was in handcuffs it still felt like he could do something yeah because he was so he felt so like like a big dude like just very i don't know you just never knew what he was gonna do i I like that a lot so it's a little thing too like i i love how good his south african accent is in the movie right Right. It's it, and, and like I'm really like you really pick up on that stuff, like how a lot of actors have maybe a good starting in the film and like you can hear it drop in and out throughout the movie. <laughs> but I I mean I, he's obviously like the top of the line kind of professional. Like he's just so committed to anything he does. But I, I just had to say like I, I appreciate how authentic and clean his that South African accent sound the whole film. Like it didn't it didn't change and I love that about him. Yeah. You're right about the accents kind of wobbling on some folks. And there was a little bit of a, 
I couldn't tell. Sometimes somebody would hit their accent a little harder <laughs> for for you know one scene or another, and I never knew. I never know if is stuff shot out of sequence. Right. You know, did the person get better at their accent as they went along? Yeah, you could definitely hear that sometimes. I did ha- read how they tried to strip away any kind of European influence in the inflection, because Wakanda is supposed to be a, a society that hasn't had influence from outside ever. Right. That's cool. So I, I did, but I think I read that Chadwick Boseman said something about the accent that he kind of invented for the character. Maybe that was in Civil mm-hmm. War, that he tried to do an African accent that did not have traces of, of colonial influence, um, which, is, which is actually an interesting theme of the film. I guess before we get too much into spoilers, it's safe to mention that the film does deal with the idea of isolationism. And there is a kind of... Um, Interesting way that Wakanda, which does seem a bit like a utopian Afrofuturist paradise, it also has this sort of, it addresses the the implied historical period during which awful things were happening in Africa to Africans, and Wakanda was sitting and by. Just kind of like not, hanging out. Yeah. Not yeah. Spread, right, right, right. Not spreading the wealth of their technology, and I think that that's a really... I mean, again, this movie gets into some pretty interesting, sophisticated places. You were saying about how the villain is maybe one of the better villains. We were talking about how the motivation of that villain is is more identifiable or at least relatable as a human motivation. Um, But I think one of the reasons why that stuff works, too, is that it does feel like without trying overly hard to make it a political film, they did link it to some real-world issues, or at least place that fantasy idea of Wakanda in a real-world context, where you have to say, okay, so Wakanda is is guilty as well of standing by while these awful things have happened. Um, and uh, that gives something good for for uh, T'Challa to sort of represent a change in the in the, the way things are done, you know. It makes him special as a as a character. Oh, yeah. I'm curious. Um, I'm curious from either of you. I mean, I have a couple of my own, but like, did did you have anything? Uh, did anything in the film kind of bother you, or was was there any kind of criticism that is not so positive that you had um, coming away from the movie? I had a few little things, you know, like things that that are like normal nitpicks of this type of film that I would say. Uh, we're sort of overwhelmed in the moment by the experience of just like yeah. all the reasons yeah. we've said why this was a was an exciting movie to see. I I actually had something. I I mean, like John and I were talking a little bit about this after the movie. Mm-hmm. But the thing, like one of the things, and this is probably one of these things that like fall into all these lot, or at least a lot of these comic book movies. The entire film, I actually made it a point in my mind. Like I thought about like halfway through it, I was like, wow. There's been a pretty really there's been a pretty great action sequence in this movie and like I did not think about the CG aspect of it really all that much at all. Like I thought that it was really well handled and I didn't really uh find that I was noticing a lot of like CG work. Obviously there's tons on display, but it yeah. didn't feel you know detached from it or it didn't look kind of sloppy like a lot of these movies become. Um but you know I I did feel like there's a moment in the end of the film a fight sequence um, that really kind of fell apart and it really, you know, kind of stood out to me as like a, one of the only real negative things I can say about the movie. And it's really not affecting the story at all. It's literally like an aesthetic and it just seems like it happens sometimes or a lot of times in these movies in like the final act in the final showdown or whatever it, you want to call it. But there's a moment where, um, Black Panther and Killmonger are fighting and it's this sequence, um, that is straight out of like Spider-Man three. And it just looks like they just become so rubberized. And Uh. like, I felt like it just got really sloppy where there's so much happening and they're both in dark suits and it's dark. And it's like, can we get away with this because of that? And it, and even watching it in shitty ass 3d where it looks darker, even still, it's like it, that scene really stood out to me because it just seemed like everything else was so well handled I mean, and there's literally even an earlier scene in the movie where there's a fight sequence literally in the dark and it's like shot really well to like let the gunshots like light up the fight sequence. And that was like really awesome. Um, But this scene, this final showdown between the two of them gets a little crazy for me. I mean, like that rubbery CGI body flinging kind of stuff. Uh, If you've seen a a fight in Spider-Man 3 that I'm referring to uh, between Venom and Spider-Man, you know what I'm talking about. But... That's really one of the big, like, technical aesthetics that really kind of stood out to me. Um, you know, otherwise, I felt like most of the other stuff looked great. I mean, like you guys said, the cinematography, like Rachel Morrison did this film, who's nominated for an Oscar currently for Mudbound, 
it's gorgeous. And like you said, it's like stunning how beautiful Wakanda is. And even when they leave Wakanda, like all the all the scenery everywhere looks great. Um, I thought the score was great. Same composer that Ryan Coogler used for Creed. Um, a lot of great builds, a lot of great scene setting. But that CG stuff always just kind of catches me. And I just don't understand like when these movies cost this much money how they haven't figured out to get that right, that it does not look like that. Right. And it just really gets to me, especially when you have a movie going as well as this one is. And it's like, and it's really good. It's like, God damn it. If you could just get this shit right, like it would just, uh, it takes the next level for me at least. Sometimes I would rather just see people on wires. You know what I mean? Like just seeing a physical body because there's things that like mathematically don't make any sense in your head when you're seeing it happen. Like when somebody jumps up in the air and they show that like kind of freeze frame, that body shouldn't look like it's like 10 feet long because they're showing like a top (laughs) shot. It just doesn't look right. It's just, you know, it's jarring. It's a jarring thing. Maybe that's just a factor of, of the way that these movies are made, that they are there's a point at which the effects could continue to get better and better, but unfortunately they have to release them. And so they, they release with the best that they have, you know, because things you'll see a shot in a trailer that will look better by the time the film is out, that they will have improved on the effects in it. Yeah. So I do think that there is something about just relying too much on what might be the pre-visualization of those scenes that Definitely. are essentially cartoon animated scenes with actors' faces stuck in them after the fact. And those might be the scenes that are the most kind of, that the rest of the movie has to kind of work around because those are the scenes that they start developing early. Right. And maybe the scenes where a director like Ryan Coogler, I don't know this, but maybe he's kind of chained to a scene like that once it starts getting put in motion and everything else is, is you know, you can do... You can reshoot some character stuff here. Or you can you can decide how some of these other moments are going to play. But this stuff is set in stone. And it does sometimes seem like they're just relying on it too much. Like they, they breezed past the point where they didn't quite perfect it. And maybe they're saying it's stylized action. And therefore, let's err on the side of giving you something exciting rather than something that looks grounded. But in this movie especially, it would have been nice to see them avoid that uh, that rubbery kind of spaghetti body spaghetti stuff body. About. And, and you mentioned the score i want to say as much as i enjoyed the score and i love the way the score incorporated the kendrick lamar stuff as well i wondered how much that was going to be just a companion piece versus a part of the score and i was i was pleased to see that that was incorporated but i there's something that they did repeatedly in the score and it's 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 at moments where it's supposed to have an emotional impact and it really is just through overuse that uh. the the single wailing male voice yeah, singing the African mm. style of singing. Yes. That I mean, mm-hmm. it's like it's like Lion King singing. Mm-hmm. It's like it's been done so much to evoke Africa that every time it happened in this movie, <laughs> it just felt incredibly cheesy to me. And I, I feel <laughs> bad to say that because it's it's like it's it's like a you know it's just a traditional style of singing. But it just it's been done so much. Like whenever someone wants to make it feel like this is Africa, they have that you know, that singing on the, and the shot of the horizon. And it's like it doesn't matter how well done it is at this point. It feels it'd be like playing bad to the bone when you show someone walking into a pool hall in a movie right, to me right, it just right. feels like a cliched choice so uh that was that was an area where i felt like an otherwise interesting score that kind of went back and forth between these tribal rhythms and 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 you know traditional marvel style thematic score there is sort of a black panther theme in there somewhere but the overall effect you get from it is this kind of pulse this rhythm yeah behind the movie that that really I don't know. It's just another thing that made the movie feel slightly different and and slightly more of a piece with with itself and its world. Um, so I feel like there, I had other little uh, you know nitpicky complaints. You were talking about the accents. I know Martin Freeman is a great actor, but whenever he does a, an American accent, he, he he wobbles just a little bit. His, his uh, Midwestern accent on the Fargo TV show was was kind of halfway good as well. But uh, I enjoyed right. him in this film a lot. But his accent was kind of you know sometimes it sounded real New York, and other times sounded kind of. Like his his native tongue is slipping out a little, but <laughs> yeah. What about you, Ronald? Uh, I'd say maybe pacing. That's really about it. But it, there were yeah. there were. I don't think all people know that like the the slow beginning and then accelerated sort of thing feels. It could be kind of weird if you're really paying attention to how much the pacing changes. But um, that's it. That's really maybe pacing. 
Um, I guess now we can say we're going to talk a little bit about plot stuff that's kind of going into light spoilers. Sure. Um, that opening scene of the film uh, felt to me like kind of a weird opening scene for the movie, like kind of an unengaging scene, right, you know? Right, right. But as the movie goes along, that you see the importance of that scene. We see what the... We see why the, that interaction was interesting and that the players in that room are actually characters whose motivations we understand and et cetera. But it felt like an odd way to start the movie. And then I think the next half hour or so was similar to me. It felt like they were getting us into this world and it just felt like an odd point to kind of start the story and get things going. But I think in retrospect, a lot of that stuff would feel like foreshadowing or world building that gets paid off within the two hours. Right. But so so I don't know. Do you think do you think that would be the case, Ronald, or do you think you would still just think overall that the movie had kind of a slack pace? Uh, you know what? Because because of it, actually, yeah, maybe. Uh, well, it kind of relates to <laughs> my feelings about it are kind of related to something that I was I was not sure that they were going to kind of focus on, and that's something that I wanted Steve to kind of see the idea that he could lose his kingdom and all that stuff kind of at the drop of a hat between a battle. And I I thought that was incredible. And I didn't know, I got a little afraid of if they were going to be able to tell that story in the amount of time that was, that happened after that first kind of slower sort of scene set of scenes. So that's it. Did you say you wanted me to, did you say you wanted me to see that? Yeah, I wanted you to see that. Cause I thought, I I think, of all the characters that exist in this world, his is the yeah. most volatile. Like, it could leave him at any point, and he could be challenged, at, you know, whenever the ceremony happens. So, like, that's really No, cool. no, that was, yeah. Yeah. I, that was, that was all. I loved, I loved seeing that. That that That's like a stakes thing that, you know, we always talk about the movies. Like, you, you see it happening in the first movie, and you're like, whoa, like, this can happen that quick? Right. So, I definitely, I definitely see what you're saying. I, I kind of feel like... I kind of feel like I overall agree with the pacing issue. I, I do really think... See, I kind of disagree a little bit about the... I, I kind of really like the opening scene. Um, um, only because it threw me off immediately. And I like the idea of, like, not jumping right into, like... a st- Even though this picks up after Civil War, I like the idea of being dropped into, you know, a flashback to early 90s Oakland, you know, or whatever, and just kind of... It, being like, wait, wait, well, how does this play in the Black Panther? Because like, none of that stuff has been in any of the marketing, any of the trailers, anything like that. And you know, um, an actor shows up in that flashback that you know I knew was involved with the movie somehow, but I wasn't really sure what his role in the movie was. So that really kind of disarmed me a little bit, which I, I liked because then that made me wonder what was coming in the film. But the part I do agree with what you're saying is I did feel that like for the first like. I don't know, 35 to 50 minutes. It did really feel very slow to me. Like, which I don't know. I don't really knock it too much for it because overall, like I do feel like a lot of it pays off, but relating to that feeling, I think is the fact that the moment that I get to see Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger at that museum, I was really excited to see more of him. And then for him to go away for like 30 minutes or 40 minutes, felt weird like i feel like that's my only other i didn't get to say it earlier but like the only other real criticism i had was that i liked that character so much and like i wanted to know more about killmonger and maybe a little less through some of the exposition that we get from everett ross later in the film but like i i just wanted to see more of what his motivations were and what he had to do with this this whole uh vibranium thing and like what his role in the movie was going to be so i felt like that that's what like kind of threw the pacing off for me a little bit because I was digging the opening scene, slowed down a little bit, saw him. I was like, okay, this is this is really fucking cool. Like he's awesome, and seeing him with Claw was really cool. And then it just it literally, I feel like he is not on the screen for like at least a half an hour, and um, that 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 was really weird to me because as good as Chad, Chadwick Boseman is as T'Challa, like his performance, which I think is completely intentional. Is a little more, is a little more quiet and stoic and regal and wise and you know it, and it, reserved it, exactly like and that's and that is that character and it, and he's great because he is that, but that character doesn't jump off the screen like his sister did or like you know the guard did or I, I can't remember the character's name 
um, or Winston Duke's character, or or especially Eric Killmonger, Ian Baku. Yeah, I, I just yeah. I just felt like that seemed like a weird thing to me that he went away for quite so bit quite so long, and I think that kind of just punctuated how weird that first hour or so was pacing wise because it it was like kind of revving up and then it would slow back down into this world building and you know character building which is fine but i don't know it's it's weird like i I definitely can't wait to see it again and i I don't know if that will feel any differently to not go in like with these crazy expectations that we all had um but uh, yeah there was something definitely interesting about the pacing of the first hour or so for me because i feel like once Honestly, once Killmonger comes back into the story, that last hour of the movie, hour and ten minutes of the movie, is fucking great. Yeah. Like, it's really, really, really good. And, like, you mm-hmm. you can feel the movie, like, really not letting up once he comes back into the storyline. And it just moves. It moves at that point. And it feels, like Ronald said, volatile. And his place is, like... And there's so much being shaken up, and you're unsure of all this stuff. And I just love... That last hour of the movie, like it's really good. Well, what do you think of the kind of chance they take of sort of knocking T'Challa out of out of his own movie for a little chunk there in the middle? Because he, I mean, he 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 neither yielded uh, nor was was killed by uh, by Killmonger when when he lost that challenge. So technically, he didn't really lose the challenge. I mean, right. if we have accept the sort of right, rules right. as laid out in the previous challenge, right? But I th- I thought that was an interesting choice to sort of take the character down so low and you know knock him out of the movie for i don't know how long it actually is maybe 10 minutes or something 10 or 15 minutes tops Mm -hmm. but it felt like oh what what is this movie going to be now that black panther is not front and center in the story um and and it it, i guess all that world building they did in the first hour that's when it really started to pay off was because there were tons of characters that you were still interested in following uh even though even though t'challa was was conked out for for a little bit there What, what did you think of that and just in general ronald how did you like the plot I, I liked it a lot. I mean, the fact that he he had such a a crazy loss so early was pretty incredible. I mean, just so you understand, just so you understand the inner workings of it, and and it became a thing where like the balance of who T'Challa is is way more important than how strong he is physically. It's it's his people skills it's his love for you know his people his love for his team that kind of wins over everything else which is really interesting i've never seen anything kind of handled that way so yeah it does have some traditional beats and i think that's just to make it palatable right like this like you're already dealing with a world that's a little more complicated than anyone that we've been plopped into and then the the safety is in kind of the the pretty reasonable beats in a story that have different twists to them than they than I've ever seen with some in some cases so i think i think that helped a lot just that i was experiencing it a little differently it's, it's it kind of reminded me of when Batman gets his back, his back broken in the Christopher Nolan series, yes, yeah, it felt, yeah, it reminded me a lot of that. Yeah, it was done kind of similarly, just in the way that like Batman had to recover and train again and all that stuff, and it happened early. And to see somebody come back from it, and you know, with the help of so many people, and women in particular, uh, is is nuts. So yeah, I like that part of it. So I mean. And I say the pacing thing to not to say that it it puts any like minus on any of the 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 near damn near perfect score that I'm giving it, but I know that a tighter a tighter first act would have made me, you know, I'm already I'm already doing flips. I probably would have did flips with uh like some sort of fiery torchy sort of thing if I had <laughs> if if the pacing was better in the first act. So. Yeah, I think uh, I think that I think I actually think that the part where he kind of goes away for a bit is actually just uh, a kind of like a a show of confidence in how much they believed we would be okay with being with every other character in the movie right, for that period right, of time. Right, right. And I think that is it's it's handled really well. And I think early on in the film, like when he's having his vision, I think T'Chaka tells him like, 
you know, it's all about who you surround yourself with and the people that you trust. And like, I feel like literally the movie is trusted in their hands when he goes away. And I think that's, uh, I think that's a huge asset to this film, to the, whatever this franchise becomes. Um, you know, the fact that you can spend time with, you know, his sister, his mother, you know, Killmonger, you know, Mbaku, like it just, it, it, there's so much being built around him outside of who he is and who his superhero, uh, alter ego is. It's like, I, I was completely fine with waiting to see what happens with him because those characters were driving the story for me. And, mm-hmm. um, it, it's bold. I think it's a bold choice. Much like Ronald just said, like the Batman thing, it made me think of that actually as, as I was watching it. But it was like, yeah, I think it was well played and well set by having these characters that, you know, could keep us invested in the story while they let that play out for a bit. So, you know, I was into it too. This Marvel world just got so much richer because of this movie. And I think that's an interesting thing is that the movie manages to have its own identity. But also, if you're looking at the bigger picture of the connected universe, um, this is a great new element that can be part of that. But I feel like it's sort of a halfway point between a movie like Logan that really does feel like it exists on its own terms as a movie and the sort of Marvel house style. I think Ryan Coogler was able to pull off something uh, uh, pretty amazing within that structure. Yeah. When I when I think about worlds outside of Earth, I, I think about the second the second Thor in particular, which you know, I don't know how I felt about any of it, any of the any of the world outside of the outside of the Earth that felt very like you know un, unlike anything that we were seeing, right? Now, when you're dealing with a place that's on Earth, that almost looks like it's it's in some like I don't know, it's it's isolated in a in a pretty amazing way, and because of that, they take liberties in terms of I mean, the fear that all of us had as uh, well comic book readers had was how will Wakanda look, uh, and it looks like it's paying homage to current you know current culture and then adding some futuristic stuff to it um which i really liked it it just felt like you could you could picture yourself being there um and in that and that's a big thing obviously too just the the perception that uh, africans are poor and unable to support themselves and all that stuff which is the furthest thing from the truth and just to see it happen on screen is is huge. So, you know, I, I I apologize for just like under like not talking about all this stuff as much as I can. But there's there's really it's I mean we can rate this movie all we want, but there's nothing really to compare it to. Like I I don't know what to compare it to. I every time that somebody asks me about the movie, I'm like I have never seen anything like it. I've never seen anything like whatever whatever this like interesting idea that you know there are areas that are just untouched uh, by by anybody but the people that that are native to it is a very very interesting amazing concept and i think that everybody um regardless of what race you are should be afforded that luxury to 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 be in a place rather than be taking taken to a place by force. And that within itself is a really interesting thing. And that's a it's a point of conflict between Killmonger and you know and uh Black Panther. There's a there's a lot of there's a lot of layers going on when those two are talking. Some of it is like the culture that we've been brought into that is almost like it's very hard to describe to somebody who is not a native of the United States as as a minority talking to a person who's lived in this place comfortably his whole life. That's a crazy conflict. And he's like, you don't deserve any of this. You don't you don't you didn't earn it. I need to take this over and I'll run this better than you do. It's a crazy. It's a crazy. It's a crazy concept to picture as a as a conflict between two characters. 
but somehow they make it palatable. Like it's it's a very layer. Like you could watch it and be like, oh, okay, this is about a guy who was kicked out of his place that he lived and came back, and he wants control again, right? Or there's so many layers that are like related to what Americans are going through, what you know, people in Africa are going through, and how these parallels are drawn in a very easy to understand idea for the the average you know just a person that's watching it and then somebody who knows about the diaspora and all that stuff and and the travels and all the crazy stuff that came with slavery and the perception of our perception of africa that's been given to us versus their perception of africa that that's been given to them too i'm sorry of america that's been given to them and i found that when either party goes to uh you know to the opposite place that opinion kind of quickly vanishes and you realize how much of the narrative's been controlled by somebody who doesn't look like you so that that's that is all very like heavy stuff that they tackle in a very that is a that is a that's magic to be completely honest with you i've seen so many movies that were so heavy-handed about that message they were almost unbearable and I'm watching a kids kids movie that's discussing this almost at like a, a very like a schoolhouse rock sort of way, at, t- for lack of a better comparison. Like it's like a kid can watch this as a kid and be like, "Oh, this is cool. It's just about two people that don't like each other." Then if you watch it as an adult, you're like, "Holy shit! What? What?" So I, I love that about it. So that that within itself is legitimately a small miracle. I just think the fact that it, it, it sits in the real world, but it doesn't strain too hard to comment on the real world is a thing that I don't want to require it of every tentpole popcorn movie, but it's really very cool. It's a, it's a real feather in the cap of this movie that it's able to do that. Absolutely. <clears throat> well, I have one final little uh, tidbit about the movie that I think is kind of interesting, but otherwise I don't know if I have much else to say about it. Do you guys? No, nah, I think anything, Steve, you can think of. I definitely can't wait to see it again. Like I, I it, it's it, it's a Same. it's a it's a really um, good problem to have when you know you have such anticipation for a movie and you go in and you really enjoy it that like you really are asking yourself like I, I find that I'm asking myself like how much did I enjoy it like the anticipation it like it overwhelms me it it, it will it, it overwhelmed me like with this movie like i literally could not wait to see it and um like i just need to see it again like i i'm having like, people that friends of mine have asked me about it since we saw it like you know well how's it how would you rank it in the marvel movies like i really don't know like i mean i don't know where it falls in my favorite marvel movies but i mean it's got to be in the conversation you know like it's it's really it's really well done i mean like i don't i don't know like I need to see it at least a couple more times to be able to say like where I would slot it in among, among my favorite Marvel movies. Um, but I do think that everything that we've talked about tonight in terms of like, you know, uh, the story that it was telling and just how important the movie is like those things count towards, uh, where that movie falls, at least for me, um, in, in the ranking of the films. And, um, it's not something that I feel like anybody can fully appreciate with a movie like this until you see it more than once, because, um, there's so many things to consume and to process, um, just beyond the film itself, you know, like, you know, you want to judge the movie on the movie itself, but there's like an experience happening around this film. Like I, I'm almost like, I'm almost like intrigued enough to maybe go out and like see the movie tonight, you know, like with the crowd seeing it on opening night because it i feel like it feels like that kind of thing like you gotta you gotta you gotta experience this because it doesn't happen a whole lot but um it's it's definitely a super super solid marvel film but take the marvel part out like it's a super super solid movie period I don't know. At this point, I really don't know who in the general movie-going audience is looking at a movie and saying, this movie looks like it's not for me if if the people in it don't look like me. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure there are some people out there who wouldn't see this movie because they're racist. Yeah, but it say, seems that, like that, that's you... who they are. They're, they're, they're called racists. <laughs> but I mean, it, it's, it's hard for me to picture that, you know, because it's like... I don't know. I remember back in the 80s, it's like even racists listened to Eddie Murphy and thought he was funny, you know? So it's like, I wonder who it is that's, who, who's such an asshole that they don't want to go see Black Panther this weekend? I don't know. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think a, a key point to what you're posing, the question that you're posing, John, is the fact that this movie is not just like a gateway movie. Like, it's not just any film coming out that has to find an audience. That's why I keep going back to this idea that, like, the fact that Marvel being what it is, and specifically the MCU piece of Marvel, um, you know, having this, just this, this fucking juggernaut of a thing built where everybody wants to see every movie they put out i mean they really haven't had like movies that had truly missed there's definitely some that have not made as much as others but when you compare them to general box office they've all been wildly successful films and i think the fact that it's like it it, it literally is like a springboard that's how you view it in terms of like a box office movie going experience the fact that a film like this has so much to offer to an audience that loves these films, these kinds of movies, so that, you know, like what you're saying, like, who really wouldn't want to see this? And, I mean, it really is somebody who just is a racist. I mean, like, literally. Because, <laughs> you know, like you're saying, the Eddie Murphy stuff, yeah, if you like comedy, you like to laugh, like, fucking listen to it. What what does it matter that he's black? You're the, you know, the skin's different. But that's the conversation that we have around anything, that people segregate things or, you know... I, I just think it's so. I just think it's not to be underplayed at all. How important Marvel's role, whatever you want to criticize them about, like with with having people of color directing or in the films or women, whatever it is, it's it's probably all somewhat true. But at this moment, right now, they are putting a film out in theaters that's going to be the biggest movie of the year possibly, with an all black cast, the 18th movie in their franchise, and a character that they're building the next phase of their universe around. And that is wildly important. And I mean, I just think that, you know, the fact that they have set this track for an audience to really have no, like you're basically saying, to really have no reason to not want to see this film. There's every possible reason to want to see this film. It's funny. There's action. It's a superhero film. It's an all-black cast. There's representation all over the place with a women with women in the film that are strong and powerful as the men, it's just, it's just, it's just all there. I mean, like, it's gonna be massive, and I can't wait to hear people start to rave about it. No, I'm, I'm the same. same. I mean, you can, you can probably hear it as I'm talking. Like, I'm getting pumped up. I want to go see it when we're done recording, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that the decision to put this movie out in February, when it was made, when it was put on the calendar, was a shrewd move or a cautious move because we've had, you know, successes early in the year in the last few years. Like Logan was was sort of an early in the year movie, and then before that, Deadpool was was an, was a February release. Do you think this was put into that slot because now they know they have a slot, or do you think it was a cautious move because they weren't sure they themselves weren't sure what this movie was going to be when they put it on the schedule? I guess I just wonder if this movie would have been the big summer release if they had sort of known what they had when they when they scheduled it. Or, or do you think that's just either way it works out for Marvel, whether it was a shrewd move or a cautious move, there's suddenly going to be nothing else in the movie landscape to take this movie on for the foreseeable future. It's got a few solid weeks, doesn't it? Yeah, no. I mean, this is this is no doubt, in my opinion, a shrewd decision. Like, this is something... Like, they know what they're doing. They know... Uh, the lapse between the releases and what's coming out. Like, these studios plant their flags on all these dates years out. And, I mean, Marvel's renowned for, like, having, you know, their schedule out for, like, the next five years or whatever it is. And, obviously, things move. But everything you just said about the, you know, Logan and Deadpool coming out this time of year, I mean, there's been a... uh, there's been a, um, a, I don't know the right word, like a um, discovery, whatever, that, you know, while, you know, usually in August or, you know, January, February of the year, like there historically have been really downtimes for box office. And even this year to this point has been such, like there really hasn't been a massive movie released in January, February. They've all been films that have held over from the winter releases like Jumanji and Greatest Showman. Um I, I've, I believe that Marvel knew exactly what they had on their hands. They knew what they were getting with Ryan Coogler. They had to have some sort of idea where this story was going from what they knew was going to be involved with Civil War. Um, you know, just knowing that Thor was coming out, you know, four months before and Infinity Wars coming out four months after. Like, I don't doubt their decision making in terms of scheduling 
one bit. Like I have full confidence that they knew. Um, see, like it's it's just this thing where like it's 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 seen as like a negative thumb some negative thing sometimes when it's like it's such a system and it's such a machine and you know. Uh, you know, they, they may have this idea of like they, they've, they've done so successfully like with getting these very uh, visionary storytelling, very storytelling focused filmmakers to work on their films and, you know, put out this great product. And some people criticize the way that all these movies feel like a Marvel movie or whatever it is, but they have a system that works for them on multiple fronts in terms of their output, the quality of the product. You know, the way they release the movies, the marketing for the movies, like it is it is a well-oiled machine. And um, there's probably a dozen factors that went into them deciding to put it out this weekend. And um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's a long ass answer. I'm sorry about that. I, I, just, I just think it's like I think they absolutely 100 percent knew what they were doing and why exactly they were picking, you know, February 16th as the date that Black Panther would come out in 2018. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. Do you think uh, February is going to be Black Panther month again in a couple of years? Or do you think they'll they'll say once they see what they've got, they'll move it to move it to July? <clears throat> there was space for this thing to move around a little bit. And I think that once they saw what it was i guess as it started to get made or or you know the the, uh, the vague outline of what it was going to be i mean it has some it has some historical significance this is black history Absolutely. month i think they knew yep. that on top of everything else that this would be if if none of them come out any other month like i mean every other month like the next one's january then the next one after that is august None of that matters yeah. as much as this one does. Yeah, so it's it's important that this first one kind of has a it, it's a you know even even if it does fall under the you know there's nothing exciting coming out in this month. Let's drop this here. It's still they still know because they because Disney has a wealth of information that people would go when people heard when this came out. I know somebody that planned so far ahead just kind of mapped out some time just was like hey and and this time in february i'm not i'm just not coming to work okay that's i know a lot of people that had that that kind of set on their watches for a really long time that calendar so i think i think there was some significance i think that a lot of it has to do with that i think a lot of it has to do with the the folklore behind this movie once it comes out it is history they want to be on the right side of history they want to be like okay we put out this movie and we put it out on black history month and we did all this marketing and you know what i mean like disney likes those sort of accomplishments they like that feather in their hat and they can brag about that shit forever that could be that counter argument for the rest of their <laughs> rest of that company's existence. They also get uh, there's a lot of uh, obvious reason to put it out this weekend. Uh, they get an extended weekend for President's Day, so I mean it's it, it's yes. the four day weekend of February. It's Black History Month. It's like you know literally nothing's in theaters that people are seeing right now. I mean there's there's yeah there's everything is lined up for them just to knock this out of the park and there's no doubt that it's going to yeah disney loves nothing more than a money-making machine mm-hmm. and so as as i've said all along with these with <laughs> these do. franchises marvel and and the star wars stuff they do as as cynical as they are they are trying to make something good because they know they've got us uh right where they want us if the movies are good and so yes all the all the yep. capitalist forces in the world <laughs> can sometimes align to uh, to make something that really feels kind of special, and I think this movie is definitely that. For sure, for sure. Oh yeah. So here's my little silly tidbit: the actor that played um, young Zuri, the Forest Whitaker character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, his name, the actor's name, is Denzel Whitaker. <laughs> you know, he's not related to Denzel Washington or D- Forest Whitaker. Weird. That's pretty incredible. <laughs> Denzel Whitaker. <laughs> Well, that's it, Black Panther. You're probably not waiting for our take on this because you've probably already seen it or planned to, but hopefully you came back and checked out what we had to say about it. Let us know what you think about it, obviously, if you want to hit us up on Facebook or MovieShmovie.com, Twitter accounts, whatever. We have it all in the details for this podcast posting. Um, 
You can obviously find us on Apple Podcasts, probably any platform that you're you're listening to podcasts on. Hopefully we're there. If we're not, you definitely need to let us know so that we can uh, try to. Um, We always say it, but it's really important. Just uh, if you listen to us through Apple Podcasts, if you subscribe to us through that, it, it would be amazing if you could give us a rating or a star review or whatever it is that you have time to do. Um, we would really appreciate it, and it, it always helps <clears throat> to, you know, help get our placement a little higher. People are searching for podcasts like our podcast about film and movie reviews and pop culture stuff like that, um, which we would appreciate, obviously. Um, of course, that's only if you have good things to say. If you don't, then just ignore everything I said. Um, and and don't and don't say anything just it's been good knowing you um so long but yeah good times good times uh if you guys don't have anything else i think that's gonna wrap this episode up episode 208 black panther we'll be back in a few weeks with a new episode and uh yeah as always you made our day bye